Ladies and gentlemen, it's all over. WandaVision Series 1 is done and dusted. But we still have the final episode, Episode 9, to go through and here to discuss it with me. And I'm Natalie Bohensky, I should say, and this is the Raven On podcast subsection WandaVision. I'm all over the place this week, but not as all over the place as this man who could not be with us last week due to fighting a robotic white version of himself, <laughs> which now sounds really weird. It's Stuart Late. Thank you, Natalie. Yes, I think I think I'm automatically the pasty white version of myself. You were uh, fighting a brilliant uh, red and green version of yourself. Uh, how are you doing, Stu? Are you feeling better? I'm feeling better. I'm fighting fit. I'm back in the game just in time for the end. I'm so pleased. Was there anything, just quickly, because we did do a uh, recap uh, podcast with Gregoire from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast. Any notes, any feedback, criticisms, uh, <laughs> you know, complaints about what happened, uh, things well, my, we my, my complaint about Greg, as always, is that he's far too good as a replacement host which is always dangerous in a replacement <laughs> host because they can uh, become the full-time host and uh the the person who they're replacing just uh d- disappears so, uh, so you, look there was good feedback from people wishing you well and saying you better be better in time yes dish the dirt on the finale so i, I, I don't I will, think i will say thank you so much to everyone who uh sent me well wishes and all that sort of thing it was much oh, appreciated you, you thank got you. Some? I did. I got a couple. Got a couple. Oh, um, so thank you very much to those people. It was very nice. Well done. And for those of you who didn't wish Stu well, what are you doing? <laughs> Man is a national treasure. Well, I'm I'm so glad you're feeling better. I'm so glad you're here. But is there anything from that season nine episode that you thought we missed, or or anything you, that was your favourite about it that you wanted to just drop in quickly before we dive into episode nine? No, no, you guys covered it very uh, comprehensively. I don't think I was screaming at my uh, headphones at all at any point, so that was good. Uh, hopefully that's the experience most people have when watching the show. I, I joked about this on Twitter, but I did have the very uncanny experience of listening to my own podcast without me on it, uh, which was very strange. <laughs> Uh, it felt a little bit like I dropped into some sort of weird hex sort of situation where I was I was in an alternate universe or something. And Greg was being you. Greg was being me. He yes, was, exactly. Uh, he had been fifties eyesed. No, that's not even a word. <laughs> but it is time to talk about the series finale, which I think is what the episode was actually called—the season finale, the series. The finale. season finale. Yeah, they they, yeah. they really that was definitely a. It's three p.m. What what are we calling this one? <laughs> I feel like that they've just all of the titles have been very ironically unironic. Yes, exactly. Ironically ironic. The, the first few were kind of like, you know, winking nods and all that sort of thing. And then there was the, the clip show or the, 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 the rewatch that you guys did was previously on WandaVision. And then it was literally the season finale. I mean, I guess there's nothing else to call it. That That's what it is. Yeah. But it kind of sums up the feeling of the finale, which is perfectly adequate. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you feel overall? Is it? I, I feel I feel like that's where I've landed. I, I've I've swung wildly back and forth over the last couple of days, thinking about it and all that sort of thing. Things that really bothered me, things that I really loved, and I think that's where I've landed. It's perfectly adequate. It, it did exactly what it was supposed to do, and they directed their energy everywhere they should. And most of the other stuff that I'm upset about is mostly my problem, not the show's problem. So. So That's... I'm really interested in this as a comparison to a little show, Stu, you might have heard of uh, called Game yes. of Thrones. Yes, yes. Um, because this, I'm just intrigued in a broader sense 
of how we deal with expectation versus reality when it comes to shows where there's a lot of mythos, where there's a lot of history, where there's a lot of maybe outside of the text information that can be drawn from. So in the case of Marvel comic books, in the case of Game of Thrones, the actual books. And the fact that there's a cottage industry around a lot of these properties of people on YouTube creating videos, people writing blogs, people like us talking about theories. You know, I've always been very upfront saying I've never been good at coming up with possible endings or coming up (laughs) with – and, look, if I can just address the elephant in the room, which is – no, Dick Van Dyke. I thought I was... Uh, no, no, Dick Van Dyke. I, I did like... I was really looking out for, for a bit of Dick Van Dyke cameos after uh, last week. There's nothing more that I like than a bit of Dick Van Dyke, and I didn't get it, and so I'm very disappointed, a bit empty, and I realised that the whole joke that Paul Bettany had been saying that he was, you know, acting across from someone yes. that he'd never acted across from before mm-hmm. and there's really intense scenes, he was joking about acting across from himself. Absolutely, which is and such a glorious troll that I have to respect it. Like, I it's do, just amazing. I, I respect the troll, but at the same time, when I had the idea of Dick Van Dyke, mm. I got really excited because I thought maybe for once in my goddamn life, I've actually predicted a really good quality cameo <laughs> pop culture bit of fan. Like, do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't do good ending predictions. Sure, and yet yeah, somehow yeah. I thought, well, that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. I can call myself a genius. What and an incredible cameo! Like the fact that he's still alive, the fact that he's so central to like the the show, like like the yep. like specifically the Dick Van Dyke show, where it was yep. very central to Wanda's whole thing. Yep. But yeah, like it just it it didn't happen in the end, Natalie. It wasn't to be. But you weren't the only person disappointed by a lack of cameos and and whatnot. So this is the thing. Now with Marvel, of course. There's heaps more to come. So it's a different thing to Game of Thrones because if you didn't get it in this series of WandaVision, there's about 73 other series and movies coming out over the next two years that will no doubt contain some of the things you're looking for. Sure, exactly. And I understand that with Game of Thrones it was sort of the line in the sand. It was, right, this is the end, fully finished, done and done, wrapped up in a bow, no more. So I can understand the level of anger is is more for, for not delivering what people wanted. But at the same time, they went out uh, to tell a story, and yes. like it or not, they told the story that they, they were telling. Told that story, absolutely. And in the, this case, it seems to have been – I mean, I don't know if there's back – I've actually purposely stayed away from a lot of reaction <laughs> videos or anything like yeah. that. I've seen it mostly – I think what you said, Stu, on Twitter was that for you it mostly stuck the landing, which is kind yeah. of the sense that I'm getting from – from people. I actually had a quick chat to last week's host, Gregoire, because I think he saw it before I did. And I said, oh, how is it? And he said, oh, it's fine. And mm. I think he'd been led to believe that there was going to be more. It was going to have extra punch or something. Yeah. And that I think I just had higher expectations than I should have. And I'm wondering then to bring it back, should we all just lower our expectations a bit when it comes to these kinds of big huge universe building properties that have well, so much potential and actually yeah. go what's more likely is they're going to do something a bit less broad in scope totally well i i definitely think this has allowed us to recalibrate our expectations for the mcu going forward especially like the disney plus shows there was so much writing on wandavision specifically because it was the first 
It was the first MCU property to come back post-pandemic, first thing that's coming out in, as part of Phase 4. And it's important to, to remember that it wasn't supposed to be the first thing in Phase 4. The Black Widow movie was supposed to be the first thing. Oh, did that right? ever come out? That, that still hasn't come out. That's slated to come out in May. Whether it does or not depends on whether cinemas are back because they, they're still determined to have a theatrical release. So, well, I mean, look. To be fair, it wouldn't necessarily be on purpose, but it would look pretty bad if you finally did a female-centric Marvel movie <laughs> and it was the one and that got can, shunted yeah, to yeah. Disney they've Plus been, first. They've been real adamant that this is going to get a full cinematic release. Yes. <laughs> They're not taking any chances with that. But that's the point. Last year, there was supposed to be Black Widow and then I think it was supposed to be The Eternals later in the year. Or it might, have been, that... it might have been Shang-Chi later in the year, in 2020. Is, is the Eternals the one that uh, Jon Snow is in? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. The, well, um, the guy who played Jon Snow. I can't remember yes. his name. Don't care. That Kit way, Harrington? That do you remember Kid Harrington? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> I'm just being mean because I don't like... He's all fancy, Stu. He and his lovely <laughs> wife, you know, they played kind of rugged mountainous types in Game of Thrones, but they're actually in real life, you know, basically minor nobility. Yes, <laughs> minor gen- yes exactly. Yes. Landed right. gentry. It's all like, oh, so perfect. I'm like... Screw you all. <laughs> I want you miserable and alone in the cold. That's where I like you. But yeah, no, that they were supposed. This was all supposed to happen last year, pre-pandemic, like pre-pandemic. Right. Okay. All this stuff. So, WandaVision would have been coming out this year. It was always slated for 2021, but it was slated for slightly later in the year, and then almost immediately afterwards, the Doctor Strange movie was supposed to be coming out, like straight after it, right? So you would have had the ending that we got because, like, that they said they didn't have to rework it particularly much it all sort of still fit so we would have had basically this show the ending that we got and then maybe like two or three weeks later you would have been able to go to the movies and see the doctor strange movie featuring wanda she's in the doctor strange movie she's going to be in the next doctor strange movie which is called the multiverse of madness yes Um, yes so now the Doctor Strange movie isn't coming out till next year, I don't think. You know, certainly if it's coming out this year, it's like the end of the year, I think. It's either late this year or early next year. So, like, we have to wait now for, for the resolution to this story. But also, like, it, it, to my original point, you had a cushion which would have meant that WandaVision could have been its own thing. Instead, it became this emblem of, okay, here's the MCU. This is what the MCU is going to do going forward. What's going to happen? We, we, we know that mutants are coming. We know the Fantastic Four is coming. We know all these other things are happening. The universe is expanding. They're changing things. What could all these little things in the show mean? And it turns out they don't mean anything. The show is a very small personal sketch of a woman in deep, deep grief and how she overcomes it. That's all it ever set out to be. It never yes. promised to be anything else. And yet we it's all been needed shouldering, it to be so much more. <laughs> yeah, it's been shouldering massive expectations given that we didn't get any Marvel in 2020. Yeah, I feel like that's the key difference between WandaVision and Season 8 of Game of Thrones. Because like Season 8 of Game of Thrones was the finale of Game of Thrones. The biggest show in the world, you know, like it was the culmination of over a decade of fandom and hype and cultural impact. And they kind of whiffed it. (laughs) Like not <laughs> huge. Like I, I still stand by everything that happens in that in that finale and and everything that happens in that final season. 
but it, it just needed so much more room to breathe and they they just weren't interested they were like no we are done we need to get this out the door <laughs> we need to just be done with it which is just so disappointing that they just were so keen to be over that they didn't finish the job in my yes. in my view whereas this show has a lot of expectations unfairly put on it but it told the story it was telling and it told it well i thought there's a couple of things in the finale that i'd like to talk about in the, that i think they sort of got didn't get wrong, but but I definitely feel like it's interesting to sort of dig into. But on the whole, they did a good job. I think this was a good show. I, I liked yeah. it. I enjoyed it. I had a good journey. Um, yeah. I just don't think it was what we thought it was going to be. <laughs> yes, I think that there were lots of some elements that may have been slightly rushed, but I don't know, or some characters who maybe had a very neat tie-up or a non, non-satisfactory tie-up, but also fine. It wasn't really their story. It was, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was wonders and everything that happened with her was fine. Do you want to start with the one-minute challenge then, Stu, given you're coming let's, back? Let's do the one-minute challenge. Um, The first thing on my on my list probably encapsulates our previous discussion. I just wrote, so not Mephisto then. Um, okay, so this is the point where you have to explain Mephisto to me because yes, I think exactly. you've been well, holding I mean, it back. There's not a lot to explain. Basically, Mephisto is a demon in the Marvel Universe, similar to I, – I, you haven't seen the first Doctor Strange movie, but um, there's demons in, in the Marvel Universe, like from different dimensions and things like that. A lot of them are like extra-dimensional or magical or something like that. Mephisto is basically the devil. He's a demon, he lives in hell, and he functions like a devil. He offers people deals and – things like that and he the reason that a lot of people were putting him forward was one because he he is known to sort of offer people like deals with catches you know like that you know you could you could sell your soul to get things and all that sort of thing like a classical devil but also he's very specifically involved with Wanda in the comics in storylines involving her two kids and and vision and stuff like that so a lot of people sort of went there straight away they were like oh well you know this is going to be Mephisto and no it wasn't <laughs> it absolutely wasn't there was nothing there um it was it was Agatha all along they told yeah. us they told us outright yeah they were being completely honest with us and we just didn't want to listen so no Mephisto. well Stu it's never really very comfortable a woman surely can't just do everything herself there's got to be some sort of greater male presence well exactly exactly um, it has it has been pointed out to me and to several other people uh that there is a, a certain element of the patriarchy at play in that sort of fandom theory so maybe that is i need to check my privilege i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well, i don't think it, i look i don't necessarily think it's all malicious i think it's a sense of oh in the comics it was very much established that the bigger bad is the yes. male presence. Yes. So there's a reason why people might think that. But Yeah, exactly. And I think in hindsight, like when, when it's put like that, you're like, oh, of course, that would be a massive misstep. Like, like to have this quite powerful, enigmatic female villain and then be like, oh, no, but actually there's like a scary, almost faceless male villain behind the scenes pulling the strings. They're the real threat. So, you know, that, that probably wouldn't have been great. So probably good that they went that way. But yeah, like it completely blows what I was thinking out of the water. Uh, and many, many other people, I think, the, a lot of people's fan theories kind of die to death. Which was, <laughs> people have accepted that with differing levels of grace, I think, uh, over, the, over the last couple of days. <laughs> the next item on my list was, uh, we're not so different, you and I, talking about the White Vision fight. I thought it was really interesting. It, it's, it's such a TV thing, TV superheroics particularly, that they tease like a massive battle that then either turns into either it happens off screen or the two people end up having a conversation. <laughs> 
it's been happening for years and, and Disney Plus is no stranger to it. I imagine they probably didn't have quite the budget of a full-blown Marvel movie. But having said that, I quite liked what they did with that. Some people have said, oh, you know, it was very anticlimactic, but I, I liked it. I like, You know, it's very vision to want to talk someone down from fighting. He's like, we don't need to fight. Like, what do you, what do you want? You know, like, what do you want? Maybe I can help you. Like, what's going on? My confusion with that, which I put on my list, which is just did Vis- Vision kill himself because of logic? Like, did he go... <laughs> Because Vision did the whole, have you heard of the, you're no doubt familiar with the ship of Theseus matter when it comes to, when it pertains to philosophy. And he's like, of course. And then they talk about the ship of Theseus for a while. And then he says, oh, I am Vision. And then he just kind of bolts out of the roof of the building that they're in. And I assume fires himself into the sun. Like there was no (laughs) kind of, my internal narrative went, oh, well, he's just gone to destroy himself because his command was destroy Vision. He's Vision. So he has to go like blow himself up oh okay that, that's actually really interesting that never even occurred to me but oh really that was, yes, that, maybe. was all that i could think of is that well he's he's outfoxed him with wit the the real vision or the colored colorful vision <laughs> i can't it's so weird kind of going the white vision and the colored vision i'm like oh god i'm gonna oh, get no. in trouble Pull up, pull up. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, uh, my thinking on that was just basically that, that they are leaving a back door for Vision, for Paul Bettany as Vision to come back uh, in the MCU. So he will yes, go away. Greg's theory last week was that, like, the mind of normal Vision would go into the body. I was thinking that, too. I was thinking maybe that's going to be their solution, but they went for the the, tra- the tragic ending. Um, yeah, they went for the bittersweet. She yeah. accepted grief, and they had the out, which is, you know, you've already brought me back once, maybe once again, or whatever they said. Which makes me think that they're leaving the door open. Like they're definitely, you know, it's meant to be played as like a bittersweet goodbye, but it definitely feels like they're sort of saying, yeah, you, you get it. He can come back. Like it's fine. And it's not like Paul Bettany's been doing the rounds going, well, this is my swan song for the Marvel universe. It's been fun. And you know, it's just, no one's ever dead, Stu. No. No one's ever dead. No one's ever gone. No one's ever truly gone. The next item on my list is uh, Wanda is a fast learner. I, yes. I loved how she resolved her fight with with Agatha because, with like, yeah, with the runes. Yeah, I thought that was really clever. I, I, I just thought, don't know when she did that or when. I well, mean, she I was doing it because this was the thing. I was watching it when, when she's sort of slamming Agatha with all her like power blasts. She kept missing, and I'm like, "What's going on there? That's weird." Oh, that's, weird. that's what she happening. was doing yeah but as she was she sort was, of going take it take it i don't want it i don't want it yeah and, and like she she knew that it, she couldn't just blast agatha because like agatha's like a power sponge she just like sucks up all the energy you know what she is Stu? what is she a succubus well <laughs> i mean uh, yes it's, it's, that's, that's my that's literally my joke but it's yeah. also true because yeah, very, very nicely done thank you i'm really proud of that <laughs> But, like, you can't beat Agatha by overpowering her, so you have to be clever. And so Wanda was clever. Like, Wanda Wanda isn't stupid, and she's been taught a lesson. She's been taught how runes work, so she just did those runes all on So did the, she, she just the, copied the ones that were in Agatha's basement? I guess so, yeah, yeah, she must have. So she's looked at the ones that were in the basement, put them on the hex itself, and completely depowered Agnes, Agatha in the process. So Agatha can't cast any spells, uh, she can't take the linchpin. So I, I thought that was a really interesting way for Wanda to win, basically, is to use the lessons that she's learned. Because in the comics, Agatha is more of a mentor figure 
to Wanda. Like she, she's mm. never, she's a bit antagonistic. Sometimes they have like a love hate relationship, but she's all about teaching her how to use her powers and how to how to unlock her potential. In this one, she seems to be much more of a straight up villain. It's like they they put in a few little hints that she might be trying to help Wanda. Yes. You know, it might all be for her own good. And then right at the end, she's like, aha, you know, you can't do this. You, I'm going to kill you all. Ha ha ha. And then it's like, no, no, you can't. You can't do that. So I thought that was that was a little bit disappointing that they, they just sort of went full villainous with her because I think you could do a more nuanced I thing. think that the fact that they kept her in, they kind of Wanda locked her up in the fantasy that she'd co- chosen for herself as the nosy neighbor. And okie yes. dokie, artichokey, and she, <laughs> she, she's there. So she's on tap, as Wanda said. If I need you, I'll know where to find you. Yeah, exactly. It's a possibility again, in the future if they need. Again, it, leaving leaving their options open. I, I thought That's it was right. very clever that they kept all the pieces on the board this time. So Vision is potentially out there. A- Agatha is still being a nosy neighbor in Westview. How do the other people in the town react to her when she sort of is doing her thing? They're like. We know who you are. <laughs> like, yeah, that wasn't really wrapped up well, was it? Has have yeah. they? But although they all ran away, she she got them out. Wanda, she said, "Run, all of you now." She was trying to get them out. So yeah, yeah, but, maybe I they mean, just didn't they see Agatha eventually. <laughs> like, but maybe they didn't see her in her witchy form. Ah, uh, no, no, no. They they saw her, but but also not only that. Like, I mean, they they were all part of it. So I mean, they they know basically everything. And they, they know who Agatha is. Like, yeah, yeah, I just thought about that. Like, you know, she's she's doing her like, well, howdy, neighbor. Like, well, what's what's happening? And they're like, Agatha, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, <laughs> who, who's doing this to you, Agatha? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I thought that was a nice ironic end for Agatha. Like, she she used the, the nosy neighbor role to trick her way into Westview. So that's what she gets to be for now on. And what a wonderful, wonderful, like, just how great is Catherine Hahn? Like, mm. Just incredible, like to be able to convey someone who has, who is in, in that final moment, those, those final moments where she's like being that she's like, uh, you know, okie dokie, artichokey. Just you can see underneath Agatha pounding behind the eyes, you know, like, <laughs> well, hey, you know, like you can just sense it. It's just such a great performance. She she has knocked it out of the park this series. Yeah, she's sort of the internet's new favorite. Which oh, she's so well good. deserved. Well deserved. Yes, I've loved her for a long time. She's a very good. She's a very good actress, but she's really coming to her own here, and I'm really happy to see it. It's been. She's really good. The next item on my list is I just wrote Incredibles three in reference to the little uh, moment during the the fight where all the family sort of forms up and and does their little pose. Yeah, that was, that was very cool. Cute. That was a yeah. cool. Play. It that was, was cool sort play. of also reminiscent of the Avengers as well. Like yeah, I had a little that, bit. The poster with everyone sticks their butt out. Yes. <laughs> well, the female characters do anyway. Uh, yes, exactly. I have never seen any of the Incredibles, though, so just that reference went over my head. But I, I was with you, roughly. But uh, I'm just, no longer surprised or disappointed. Did, I didn't even realise they'd done an Incredibles 3. No, no, just, well, they've, they were, they've done two. Oh, I see. Okay, that was your joke. Yeah. All right. The joke, the joke is that this was the Incredibles 3. And it actually is funnier that you explained it. Now I get it. So. <laughs> Um, that's not me being sarcastic. That's me going, oh, now I understand the joke and I can laugh at it. So it, you explaining it made it funny. So well done, Stu. You're fucking a trend. Thank you very much. The next uh, – oh, so I had a nice ironic end for Agatha. So we did that one. And then um, the last item on my list was Monica was also there. <laughs> uh, 
So that was nice after she after. She had a moment. She she stopped a bullet. Or I mean, look, yes, yes, she bullets. did. She did. It feels very perfunctory. Of all the characters that were in this movie, she feels like she got short shrift. Because this was her origin story. Like, this was... And it kind of... It almost feels like they're like... They just wanted to get it out of the way before Captain Marvel 2. Because, obviously, she... she We saw in the post credit scene that... Um, and you saw both post credit scenes, right? I Matt? did, yes. Okay. Some, some people didn't. Some people have... Some people saw the one, like, like mid-credits, and then yes. didn't stick around for the final one. I, I was very savvy. Uh, in yes. fact, I ended up messaging Greg Ouah from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast to say, did you see, <laughs> did you watch to the end? And he said, oh, yeah, the the thing about Monica Rambo." And I went, no, 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 the very end. Mm, the very end. And he went off and looked at that. But, it, you know, look, it wasn't enough to make you go, oh, my God, it turns the whole thing on its head. It was just an <laughs> no, extra bit that's, of No, that's the one that sort of points forward and sort of says, yeah, there's there's more coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, we see in the in the mid credit scene that um, one of the FBI people is a scroll. And have you seen Captain Marvel? No, I have not. So I had no, no idea what was so happening. Do with you, so you have no frame of reference for that. Do you even are you have you even seen Spider-Man? Like, no, uh, no so, I've, I've really got. So when that person turned into a green skinned <laughs> pointy haired alien, did you even understand what was happening? Okay, so here's the thing. Greg has been talking about this next <gasps> next wave business. Right. Okay. So I assumed maybe it was a person from that next wave thing in disguise because oh, okay. they sound like a whole bunch of weird oddbods and strange yes. characters. No, no, no. Um, I, I don't mean to burst Greg's bubble, but they're not doing next wave. <laughs> no. Uh, that became clear when Greg texted me saying, no sign of next wave, what a con. Uh, <laughs> So I feel very sad that he's not getting his next wave. But, look, I assumed that it was relevant somehow. And when they said we're friends of your mother or something and they pointed upwards, I thought, well, either her mum's living in the ceiling of this cinema (laughs) or they're going to space. So I figured that's something to do with Captain Marvel that I haven't seen yet. So I I know enough of the Guardians of the Galaxy has made it very clear that there's wacky alien space races out there. So. I was like, ah, it's just a wacky alien space race who's come to take her away from all the madness of sword. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Into the madness of space. Into the madness of space. No, so so Monica will be showing up again in Captain Marvel two, and then hopefully she'll have a lot more to do because in this in this uh, in this series she's been for, for for most of it the audience surrogate in a way like like and she's definitely been the one who has been trying to sort of get through and been on Wanda's side from the outside. Yeah. And in this, she really doesn't get a lot to do and then has one very weird conversation with Wanda at the end and then and then she gets invited to go to space. So Yeah, what was that conversation? That that was Wanda just kind of going, Look, I'm sorry for the pain I caused, but I'm Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot to say about that. Okay. <laughs> Finish your list then. My my list is done. Monica was also there. Oh, okay. Well, let me go, just put a pin in that then, and I'll go through my list. So I wrote, everything is solved. I mean, yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) I wrote, um, uh, Wanda gets Dumbledore hands and then Scarlet Witch powers. (laughs) I didn't even realise that was a trope, but that's true. Yes, it's it's definitely a thing. I don't know if it's a trope, but Dumbledore and Harry Potter Potter get the burnt out hand because he tries to destroy a Horcrux and in the process screws up his hand and... So she just kept using her magic and getting burnt hands, but then she was fine later on. Yeah, it was was slightly unclear as to how much was her putting it on and how much was her 
like genuinely getting drained of, of magic and that which she then takes back. Yeah, because she did. She was getting the old wrinkled skin thing happening for a yeah. while and the black hands and, and burns and stuff. I did like her fancy outfit, her fancy, you know. Yes, well, was, uh, I can't take credit for this, but basically people, most people have said this This was a total Sailor Moon transformation. Um <laughs> Well, yes, it is one of those very convenient things where she just magics on her outfit. Yes. I always imagine, like, I always imagine in my head is putting on the outfits. And Superman's yeah. got super speed, so I guess he just kind of can quickly, like, woof into it or whatever. <laughs> yes. Although in Lois and Clark, which, as we know, Stu, is the definitive Superman property, <laughs> Dean Kane used to wear it under his suit. So he'd wear, like, full – must have been really hot in summer, but he'd be in the full – well, he's Superman. Yeah, he's, he can regulate his temperature much better. But, yeah, he'd just be in the suit, and then he just basically was just stripping off. Sure. That was always the conceit. You sort of pull open your dress shirt to reveal the S, the S shield. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, I just imagined her, like, pulling on the, the, the leggings because she had, like, the really hot, <laughs> skin-tight kind of vinyl-y leather pants and the bonnets, <laughs> yeah. clipping on the cape, uh, and then adjusting the headpiece. Although in this one, they seem to make it like the headpiece was almost a like a physical manifestation of her power, like it kind of summoned itself into being. They foreshadowed that with the flashback to Agatha's mother in the coven, who when she sort of accessed her full power, she got that blue crown sort of looking thing. Um, oh, I didn't remember that or notice it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, so and, I, and yes, it was a foreshadowing of, of what happens yes, here. They're, they're so justifying her wearing a silly-looking headdress. Yes, that it's a power. And when they're back in her, they go back into, like, Agatha's past when they're in the coven and they start attacking Wanda and then she grows that, the... That was nice and creepy. That was, that was cool. That was creepy and cool. Yeah, I enjoyed that little bit. And then the, you sort of see the headpiece start to glow and appear. But I do have to admit I love... I just love picturing superheroes with incredibly complicated costumes like that, just, you know, pulling it on leg by yes. leg, getting the boot on. Well, certainly, I mean, you know, someone like Wanda, obviously she can magic it on and Thor, this like, I mean. does just... his thing. But, you know, someone like Black Widow, like, she has to, like, squeeze into those cat suits. Like, you know, it's... <laughs> And, you know, you've got to let give yourself some time away from the very tight leather pants if you're a lady, if you know what oh, I mean, Stu. Yeah, you know. You've got to have some room to breathe. It's very important to get aeration. Well, too. I mean, you know. Well, it's particularly sweaty for you guys. There's got to be a lot of, you know, like talcum powder and various things to, you know, moisture absorption. Maybe some uh, body glide, you know, the anti-chafing sticks yes. that you can get yeah, if yeah. you're a cyclist and that sort of thing. I mean, you uh, know, all, I'm, all I'm saying is that the Avengers locker room must really stink. <laughs> So, yeah, but I, I liked I just I liked her fancy outfit and it was very much a super cool update of the oh, of the comics costume. Yeah, I was exactly. Call it like, tacky. It's not tacky, it's just comic y. It's just it's very it's kind of naff. That, exactly. You know, yeah, I mean and and we saw that. I mean they they kind of almost yeah, did, they did commentary on that. She wore basically a comics accurate costume and it was and it was a Halloween costume. And it's hokey and it looks weird. Yeah. So she's super cool, so she's gotta be really cool. Having said that, like, I, I kind of like the headdress that she was wearing for Halloween more than the eventual one she got from the Sailor Moon transformation. I think that it, it is a more familiar silhouette. Uh, okay. uh, like, I, I'm used to her looking that like that in the comics and to see, like, it, it looks more crown-like than the eventual sort of one that they do. And it's got all these weird little filigree bits. 
Yeah. I'm like, it's too busy to just simplify it. It's just, it's just a, it's a big crown. It's a big pointy thing. Big red pointy thing. Yeah. (laughs) And they could have justified it. It's magic. They could have just said, yeah, this is what, this is what it looks like. You know, make the rest of the costume the same, but like just have the, have the, the big headdress. I don't know. I don't know, man. They can't. You know, Superman doesn't wear red underpants anymore, so... No, that's so... That, I, I hate that, by the way. Oh, really? You're <laughs> yeah, a red yeah, underpants I, I kind of guy? That. I hate that. Put the red underpants back on. Well, this is the thing. Do you go high-waisted underpants or you do a more sort of a low-cut Speedo style? You make it look exactly like the Richard Donner Superman, like... like uh... Christopher like the, Reeve. Yeah, Christopher Reeve. Like, his Superman costume is basically perfect. Like, there's, you don't need to improve it. It looks like cloth because Superman doesn't need armor. He it Bullets bounce off him. It would be a bright, colorful costume to make him look slightly silly so that you're not scared of the invincible Superman. They're all sort of dark and moody now, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Like, and even Superman. Superman has like a, a his blues are so deep they're almost purple, you know. And I think I think in the in the latest movie he's literally flying around in like the black version of his suit, the black and white version. And it's like he doesn't need to do that. He's a brightly coloured, bright, fun, hopeful superhero. And with some very large junk, just yes, right exactly. at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and if anything, like, I think getting rid of the red underpants makes him look more like he's wearing pyjamas because it's just, like, one colour all the way through. But they always keep, like, the belt yeah, just to try and break it up. But it's like, no, no, the red pants break it up. And it's not meant to be, like, literal Speedos. It's meant to be, like, red pants, you know? Like... It's based on a, it's based on like a circus strongman costume. Like that's, that's the whole thing. You go back, like they were, they were in the thirties when they were designing Superman, when um, Siegel and Schuster were first creating him, they were basing it on circus strongman. Everyone at that time would have been familiar with that iconography. And they were like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So he's strong. We get it. That was just the thing. It's, it's not. And the reason that they keep trying to get rid of the red underpants is that people make jokes about them. Yes. You know, they're like, oh, no, but this is, like, serious. Like, like this is serious stuff. Like, we don't – it's not dumb or stupid. It's like, no, it's not dumb or stupid, but also Superman has red underpants. Like, and you either live with jokes about that or start reading something else. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just looking at pictures of Henry Cavill in the in the suit, and it's so, so shiny. Like, a, I don't even know what type of blue, but it's it's like a lake kind of a dark, dark – Yeah, it's a really dark blue. Yeah. It's as dark as they can possibly get and still technically call it blue. Blue, yeah. It's and like, then no, it, just... it, should, it should be the colour of the sky. It, or, you know, like like a nice a nice royal – like a nice blue colour. It should be light and hopeful. Well, I imagine it's because back in the, those days when they were first printing, they had limited colours to use. So they used sure, very, exactly, very bright yes. primary colours. Yeah, so you, you dress your hero in a bright primary colour so they jump off the page. This is so strange looking at him. It's like I can kind of see why you would ditch the red underpants because they are a bit silly. But, but- Superman's silly. Superheroes are silly. They're <laughs> gloriously silly. I love that they're a bit silly. Like, I'm that's now, the point of them. I'm now looking at the Dean Kane Superman, uh, as <laughs> we know the ultimate. He red underpants, I understand. He, he very much had red underpants. He he was in full lycra. None of this moulded vinyl bullshit that they're in now, but he, he was in the full lycra. Oh, except when he was black Superman. That's right. Oh, I forgot they did that storyline. Yeah, well, see, when you do the black suit, like, you can just have it be a one-piece because it's, like, a whole thing. Because yes. that, that would have been – he would have died and come back? Like, is that the – I don't remember. <laughs> I remember bits and pieces of it, but it was mostly just how this was awesome and I'm going to be a journalist like Lois Lane. <laughs> and... No, very bright blue for Dean Kane. They Very, very bright. 
Yeah. Uh, and what I and, like and, is the underpants had the loops for the belt. Yes. They got the belt yes. loops. Yeah, exactly. Well, so because, that really because he's holding up his pants. <laughs> he's holding up his pants are over the top of his other pants. This has been a very long discussion about Superman's pants. Yeah. I just think I just think that when he doesn't have the red underpants, he looks like he's wearing pajamas. Like he looks like he's wearing a onesie. Yeah, that's true. It just looks silly to me, and silly in a silly in a bad way. You have a perfect you have perfect iconography with Superman. I don't know why you would mess with it. Anyway, <laughs> that's just me. So he's got the lycra on, then he's got the pants over the top, then the belt. And on Christopher Reeve, they're pretty much like at his waist, like below his belly button, but at his still at his waist. Yeah, and I feel I feel like that's a pretty good compromise between like full-on cargo shorts and like <laughs> tiny little speedos you know like like it's a good middle ground so then he's got to put on his pants over the top and put another belt on that's got to be uncomfortable <laughs> if you're superman yeah you got all this lycra underneath and then but that's the thing though like I, I i always do this thought experiment with every superman costume like can you see it being worn under a dress shirt and pants and where does the cape go yeah exactly like like where does it all go <laughs> like do you just sort of tuck it up yeah you know, that's why that's why these heavy leather capes don't make any sense to me like it, it's like it's got to be a fabric cape because you you roll it up you just roll it up and put it in the back there does he tuck it up around his shoulders like so i, mean, I guess to... yeah yeah exactly he probably just tucks it up there or it just yeah. sort of he folds it in half and it sits against his back yeah well that's what i'm thinking yeah he sort of sort of folds it in so it fits snug against his back and then obviously when he takes his overshirt off he, he's got the suit and cape on underneath does he sort of maybe because it looks on the christopher reeve one it looks like it's kind of tucked into the lycra at the front so maybe it's just a separate piece of cloth that he just has maybe tucked down the back of the pants and he sort of whips that out tucks it in his <laughs> tucks it in near his clavicle and then just you know off he goes it could be it could be yeah. none of this makes any sense natalie none of it makes any sense <laughs> The other question I have for you, Stu, has there ever been a superhero with a short-sleeved Lycra outfit? <laughs> occasionally you get a superhero who might be in like, you know, like a singlet. Actually, to actually show you know what? I, I, can, I can answer that for you. Yes, Wolverine in the comics always has like short sleeves. Oh, he, he's wearing a singlet with like a sleeve. I would not call that a T-shirt. Uh, are you are you looking at the yellow and blue? Yeah, costume? yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the yellow and blue. He's got a single. He's, he's got some shoulder pad business going he, on. Yeah, it's a shoulder pad attachment. And what yes. shoulder pads do, Stu, if you know your fashion theory, shoulder pads balance out your proportions. Sure. So yes. It, well, as, as a small as a small man, he would want to like. That's get his right. Right. It's making him look bigger up top. It's making him look fiercer and broader across the chest with the yeah. shoulder pads. But it's not. A T-shirt. I'm talking. Oh, uh, it pretty much is though. Like, I mean, like he's wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> he's always <laughs> well, got bare arms. In the comic. Like almost always. Okay, let's go like, one more. Any superhero in a polo neck. In a polo neck. <laughs> in a nice. Uh, what's that brand? Lacoste. You know, with the little crocodile. Yeah, like Lacoste with the little crocodile. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> they go golfing and then they uh, kick some ass. See, Wolverine, the Hugh Jackman Wolverine, is in, like, the white singlet. I've seen a few superheroes in the singlet because then you get raw muscle. It's the gun show. Indeed, it is. But just more your shorts, like like a short sleeve and tie look. Like, imagine <laughs> if Superman went to the office and just it was a hot day and he accidentally put on a short sleeve shirt and everyone's like, dude, why are you wearing a blue lycra undershirt? <laughs> I, have, I, have a I have a condition. I have a terrible condition. <laughs> Excuse me, I hear danger calling. I 
thought that's I was... the theme to Lois and Clark, isn't it? I was about to say, that's not the Superman theme. That's the theme to Lois and Clark that and you're I, singing. I realised while I was singing it that I went, that's not the Superman theme that I meant to sing, but it's the one that's in my it's head. It's the one that's in your heart, Natalie. <laughs> it's the true, the one true Superman theme. <laughs> Whenever I try to sing the, sing the th- Superman th- sing the Superman theme, I've developed a lisp. Uh, it becomes the Star Wars theme. I can never remember. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, John, John Williams famously cribbed from himself. Yes. Da, da, da. No, I'm doing Lost in Clark again. Yep, I can't. yep you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Call in if you also, like me, believe Lois and Clark is the greatest Superman that ever was. <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter talking about there's like a new Superman happening. There is, yeah. I'm um, Superman and Lois because um, they'd already done Lois and Clark. So they're like, well, what are we going to call this one? Um <laughs> So this Why one's called you, Superman and Lois. You call it the Daily Planet. Well, I don't think they're at the Daily Planet. They're, they're, they've gone back to Smallville oh. um, to raise a family. They've got two kids in this one. What now? Uh, yes. <laughs> so they resolved that whole man of steel, woman of tissue. That was uh, the thing. No? Oh, okay. All right. Well, apparently super sperm doesn't exist. <laughs> but, yeah, no, they, they have two kids. And the whole sort of show is about them sort of navigating his life as a as the world's most famous superhero with their small town life in Smallville. So, yeah, I haven't seen it. There's been mixed reviews. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's not helped by the fact that the version of Superman there has, like, like started out on Supergirl and has been canonically shown to be, like, less powerful than basically ever every other version of Superman, including, like, several who he's interacted with personally. So it's just a weird thing where he's sort of he's sort of been shown previously, like, like that Supergirl is more powerful than him and, and all this sort of thing. Not that that's a bad thing, but, like, it's just a, we- it's a weird starting point to be like, yeah, no, this, guy, this guy's kind of all right. He's not the best Superman, but whatever. Who is Supergirl? girl anyway yeah she is Kara Zorel, who is uh, superman's cousin um right. who was on a i think still in canon in dc comics is that she was on a second rocket sent just after clark's rocket but she was already like a teenager so they put her in hypersleep and her rocket got like knocked off course and so by the time her rocket gets to earth clark has already grown up and become superman right so she was sent to look after him and like in the meantime he's become superman and okay. so she gets there and she's like oh okay well i guess i'll be supergirl <laughs> no like i might just take up legal studies and become a lawyer or something yeah exactly you, like, you no, seem to have whatever. the superhero thing in hand so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i might try and use my intelligence and strength of character for good in another way yes um, as opposed to just kind of copying. Um, we are what... very far from where we should be. Yeah, uh, what are we talking about, Steve? <laughs> um, I think we were talking about a Marvel superhero. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a start. We'll have to do a Snyder Cut podcast. Oh, Although, God, will that no, be part of do, our we Raven? We don't have to. That'll be part of our no, Raven. That, that might have to be part of our Raven bat if we're going to do it. Okay. I strongly refute the idea that that is necessarily a Batman film, but the argument can be made. So, I mean, maybe that's where we can do it. Okay, fair enough. Well, back to my <laughs> list, which I think I was somewhere talking yes. about. Yes, yeah, so we are talking about costuming. I said Agatha is the nosy neighbour forever, or is she, which we mentioned before. Bye-bye Hex. The Hex took a long time to disappear. The, yes. The Hex seemed to increase when, when she expanded it in episode five or six or whenever that was. It expanded pretty quickly, and then in this one it seemed to be very, very take a long time. And it made sense it had to come back to them last because that's where it began, but they seemed to be able to walk home, have a shower, put the kids to bed, 
go have a conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's definitely on you. Know, so they they definitely didn't just get straight into bed. Like they would have had yeah. to have a shower, maybe have a late yeah. a late dinner. Yeah, it was a bit of a Lord of the Rings kind of. Let's just stretch this out a little, <laughs> just a little, so we can have the nice romantic moment. But I appreciated there was the nice romantic. Well, moment. as we've seen, as we've seen before, Natalie, the hex is all about television tropes. So you know, maybe it was just respecting the the, the final uh, one. Uh, See, I thought I was being clever, and Stu kind of throws my own cleverness back at me, and I appreciate that. <laughs> That's why we're friends. You keep me honest. Darcy got a very small final entrance in the truck. Oh, God, she was in this. She, it was a cameo. She was in there for two yeah. seconds. Crash She's like, said, have fun in jail. It's like, what jail. is the deal with you? What's happening with you now? Yeah. I kind of didn't really understand what was happening with all the locals, and some of them kind of were there and angry at her and others – Saw her and 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 her conversation with Wanda. Uh, sorry, between Wanda and Monica, about I'm sorry for what I did, but I'm off now. While you know ambulances are screaming and police cars are like screaming, and she's like, "You yes, can't catch me. Exactly. I'm an all-powerful witch, so I don't answer to justice." Yeah, and look, look. I mean, I don't know whether you want to talk about this now. This is this is. I, I do want to sort of touch on that because I think it's the one big well, myth of the finale. Okay, well, let me just finally get in. I, I did mention we had the two post-credit sequences and the second one, which we yes. we mentioned, had Wanda kind of chilling out, having a coffee in tracksuit pants, and then it cuts to her in her full magical outfit practising yes. spells from the, the book. I think she stole Agatha's book, which we didn't see her do. She left town with nothing, but she somehow yes. got the book and she's doing spells. And then she hears the boys' voices go, Mom, help, help, and she's like, <gasps> gasp. So they set up that the boys could still be out there, which, of course, means that Vision could still be out there and hooray potential. And then the other thing I just wanted to mention, Pietro, is Ralph? Is Ralph Boner. Is Ralph Boner? (laughs) Haha, Boner. I didn't need Ralph to be real. I don't think Agatha needed an actual Ralph. Like, fair enough, like, she's taking control of someone. I thought it was quite neat in in the sense that it, it ties a bow on who Pietro even is. Because Agatha doesn't have a place in the town, like like she's not she's not from there. So mm. why is she staying in that house? Like why you know obviously she stayed there because that's the house right next to where Wanda is. Um, she wanted to keep an eye on her. Who was in that house before? It was some guy. So she just like locked him in the in the attic basically and made kooky references to her husband Ralph. How did he have Quicksilver speed? I guess she just gave it to him. She like I mean she basically said that she can magic that up. I guess I buy that. Like, it's kind of a hand wave. And again, like, like I do want to talk about this as well. Like, I, I feel like... Jump in. This is this is kind of where my list is over. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Pietro is the, one, is the one place where I kind of take issue with the show sort of playing with our expectations a bit. Because everything else, people talk about, you know, there was the, the talk about the cameo at the end, and it turned out to be, like, Paul Bettany playing against himself. That's world-class trolling. Well done. Yes. Um, there was... <laughs> Monica talking about oh an astronomical engineer friend of mine and, and it's like it just turned out to be some lady and it's like okay well great but people were speculating but like I, I guess like the show wasn't making any promises that it didn't keep yeah yeah you yeah know, like, like they kind of lent a bit hard on someone is coming to help us out and then it turned out to just be some random people from sword and it's like okay that kind of it's kind of disappointing but I mean the show didn't promise anything that it didn't deliver. Yeah. But by casting Evan Peters as Pietro, they are doing a very specific thing, which is saying, hey, we're opening the door here. You know, like like we're, we're opening the door to speculation about multiverse. 
are we bringing the rest of the X-Men? Like, you know that Evan Peters, the actor, played Quicksilver on a different show. And I feel like there is room to sort of be like, oh, I wonder what they're doing here. And in the end, the show was like, oh, no, it was just a fun reference. We were just making a fun reference to the fact that he was the other Quicksilver. Could they have done that Quicksilver reveal with another actor? I think that they wanted Aaron Taylor-Johnson. I think they wanted the original, like, Age of Ultron Quicksilver guy. And I think for whatever reason, he probably couldn't do it. And so they were like, okay, what other options do we have? Oh, we could just get Evan Peters to play Quicksilver. Like, there's no legal ramifications to that anymore. We own the rights to the movies that he's in. Mm. So we can just get him. He could just be in a couple of episodes and it can be a fun reference. But the, the fact that he is from the other movies means that people will naturally speculate about that you know that that's the one place where i i think fans can be can be forgiven for feeling a little bit disappointed or deflated Mm. that nothing more came of that yeah that there wasn't some underlying thing and i didn't need it to be like a full you know plot heavy reveal i i just needed it to be well he came from somewhere else you know and then he sort of disappears back to somewhere with his memories wiped or something you know and it's like oh what what was that all about you know like like it, it And you're right, like, I don't know that it would have worked if they had just cast some random new actor as Pietro, although maybe it would have. Who turns out to be Ralph. Who turns out to be Ralph. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you're not Pietro. Like, maybe that would have worked, maybe that would have worked better in a way because it would have literally been a recasting. I don't know. I I just feel like that was the one place where I was like, no, 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 people are right to speculate about this. It was a literal cliffhanger. It was was built up in the show. Like, the show put a lot of weight on the fact that this, this guy is here playing Pietro and he's not the Pietro we knew but he is the Pietro from a different series of movies that now Disney owns you know like in the end that the show was utterly uninterested in entering into that speculation but I don't think people were wrong to speculate in that space yeah oh it was natural it was incredibly yeah, exactly but I, but I see a lot of the commentary online is like oh people were so stupid to read too much into that it's like no 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 that that was absolutely ripe to be to be read into like everything else <laughs> it's exactly the kind of thing people do read yeah. into. yes absolutely so you know i understand people be would be a little bit disappointed when it turns out he's just some guy called ralph boner which feels <laughs> like a which feels like a real like I, I you know i'm not taking it personally but that feels a little personal <laughs> you know like it's like no no no. he's some doofus called ralph boner oh uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah he's what we think of you all you fanboys yeah like yeah he's this he's this lame dickhead who who you know yeah, anyway i'm i'm projecting a little bit there but like it, it's basically no, just, fair enough project a waste you it just felt a bit weird the way it was handled mm. again the, the show didn't know that it would be bearing this huge weight of expectation yeah <laughs> you sure. know like they they, they were telling their own fun, quirky little story. And everyone involved probably thought, oh, this will be a cute way to resolve this problem. You know, and in the and it ended up spawning like 10,000 think pieces and all this <laughs> all this speculation online. And the, the showrunners must have been like everyone involved must have been just sitting there going, oh, boy, like they're really not going to be happy when we get to the final episode. <laughs> I, for me, it was just the fact that I didn't need Ralph to exist. It's happened before where in The Nanny, if you remember The Nanny, Fran Fine's mother, Sylvia Fine, was always referring to Morty, or they would always refer to Morty, the the, the Fran Fine's dad. The the dad. 
And you'd see like his toupee or you'd see something, but you never saw him. He was always just an off-screen character. He was either always on the toilet or – and so that is what Ralph was for me. He was just – Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The off-screen character, the annoying husband – you know, almost like an Al Bundy kind of husband, but just off screen, just the yeah. useless sort of, well, Ralph says this and Ralph says that. Like, that's all he needed to be for me. I didn't need totally. his, I didn't need Ralph explained. And Pietro, I think, could have been explained in a different way. Like he. Yeah, I feel like the showrunners probably thought they were killing two birds with one stone with that yeah. solution. And, and neither bird needed to be killed. Free the birds! Free the birds. So, yeah, no, I think that was kind of a weird thing. The, the, the other thing that I wanted to touch on, as I, as I said, was that final conversation between Monica and Wanda, yeah. where Monica is the closest thing we have to sort of a conscience in the show, because obviously, like, Wanda's acting out of grief, and it, it's her journey, but, like, Monica is sort of the audience viewpoint character in many ways. And the show makes it very clear that because Wanda didn't know that she was essentially torturing an entire town, then that's okay. I feel like there needed to be some more acknowledgement of, like, you held an entire town hostage for weeks, if not months, and there needed to be more weight to that. When even Monica says, you know, "Eh, I would have done the same, they'll never know what you sacrificed for them. It's like, no, you, you trapped an entire town in your weird fantasy. And, like, you didn't mean to do it, but the show is taking the stance that, no, that's totally cool, and these people yeah. should see you as a hero, and they're wrong to be angry. Because you, like, no. you sacrificed an entirely imaginary family. <laughs> yes, an imaginary family that you created out of nothing, and their real families are, like, suffering through this ridiculous fantasy that you're putting them through. Like it, like the 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 way the show framed that was weird as hell to me. It was weird, yeah. It was very strange. It was like because Monica liked Wanda or felt sympathy for Wanda from the beginning. Yeah. That was able to be like, no, no, no. She just and it was odd. It it. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Wanda was surrounded by grief. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. But she still hurt other people as part of That's of right. this grief. And even though, as you say, she didn't mean to do it. And she's obviously taken some sort of responsibility that she needs to learn how to control this power. What has she done? But, like, do those people remember what happened to them? Has she blanked their memories? Yes, is, is they do. Order? They absolutely do because she Agatha like cuts their strings, like like she sets them all like free of the of the web, and they immediately go, "Oh my god!" Like you know that they know exactly what's been happening to them. It's not like they've been asleep for the entire time and someone else has been taking over. They they have been aware and awake the whole time. Maybe that's to set something up for a future thing where Wanda is seen as a big bad because of this excessive I'm, power that she I'm has. I'm sure it is. I mean, it's a very X-Men slash mutant sort of thing, like people hating and fearing someone like Wanda, who in the comics up until very recently was a mutant. You know, it has a very X-Men vibe. But in this case, wholly justified. Like, she held this town hostage for a, an extended period of time because she was, you know, and not not to trivialise it. Like, I don't mean to sound like I'm, I'm trivialising it, but she was sad that her boyfriend died and that she had gone through so much heartache. And so she created a fantasy world with all of them tangled up in this bizarre imaginary world world forced to play roles that they that were not them Mm. you know like she she took over their minds yeah it's not 
insurmountable. And the fact that Wanda didn't know that she was doing that, you know, is probably a bit naive. But I mean, like the 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 show is explicit in the fact that up until the very end, Wanda wasn't aware that people were like in pain or, or worried about this sort of thing. But, yeah, but even they, so, like, I mean, she yeah. must know that everyone. She must know that everyone is there. Like, they're not being who they are like she's changed yeah, their I'm, life and they're, they're i'm keeping you safe tune. yeah i'm keeping you safe that came out of nowhere yeah. like, like yeah. it just sort of it, it just sort of like that whole exchange and all it would have taken would have been something like monica not being as forgiving of wanda like being no you did harm here by trying to run from your own problems you did harm here and wanda acknowledging that and saying yeah i think the best thing for me now i can never make up to these people the time that i took from them the best thing that I need to do is just go away from people, you know, and go and work out what I need to do away from people, which is what yeah. she does. What I think was the intention of that conversation, but the actual dialogue that was given, yes, Monica lets Wanda off the hook. She's like, nope, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What, the, what? Yeah, she says I no. would have brought my mum back. Would have brought my mum back. You know, it's like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. And that sucks because that that throws Monica under the bus too. She should have said, you know, if I had your powers, maybe I would have brought my mum back. But like, I like to think that I would have been stronger than that or something like that. You know, like something that isn't judging Wanda, but just saying like, you know, I I like to think that I would have made the better decision (laughs) because it just totally throws Monica under the bus now. It's like, yeah, no, she admits she's a, she would just totally selfishly use her powers and she now has superpowers. So that's Mm. cool. Well, does she have bring back you know, from the dead and, powers though? She just she well, just has no, like no, stop exactly. bullet powers like, or something. Know, she, she's saying like if she had if she had the power to, to bring back people from the dead, she would totally do it. No questions asked. Yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> great. Okay. Wow. Our future hero, everyone. You know, it just it was just poorly thought through. It fe- it felt rushed, which is weird because they had a long time to get this right. Like most of the things, this was all delayed. It could have they, they, had... they could have done passes at the scripts. Like it just it just feels. Why this series had all the time in the world? It didn't have to be nine episodes, too. It could have been ten. It could have been seven. Like well, whatever. Also, like, the, just the, the length of the episodes had differed. You know, yes, some exactly. were longer yeah, than others, exactly. so they could have just yeah. been an hour long. Yeah, just have a longer conversation for God's sake. You don't have to wrap this up in forty-five minutes. It's not a you're not racing the final block of ads. You know, it just yeah. feels like they had all the space in the world to do this. And they were like, yep, this is good enough. And I'm like, oh, no, it's not. I, I felt very unsatisfied by that conversation. I think it was a big misstep in what was otherwise a pretty good finale. I think that's fair. <laughs> the only other dangling uh, issue that I had was um, maybe this was tied into like with the stuff with Pietro, but Dottie was just a massive red herring in the end. Yeah. She said something about like, having a we daughter. We get told who... explicitly, and by and by Agatha, admittedly, but we get told, that, oh, she's the key to everything around here. And it's like, no, she's not. She's just some random person. It's totally fine. Yeah. It's never explained why she's able to break Wanda's spell when other people can't and stuff like that. It just, it's, mm. a, whole, it's a whole thing. Like, like it, just, it just sort of came to nothing, and I'm just sort of like, oh, that's disappointing. Like just nothing, <laughs> and not even not even in like a a way where you know what where the show is like pointing you towards this. They just sort of dropped a few clues and were like, oh, maybe she's someone. No, she's not. She's just a random townsperson. Mm. Even to the point where um Dottie didn't have a dossier when they were in the episode. We interrupt this program. Like yeah, she was one of the ones that didn't have a dossier, which was done deliberately. They wanted to keep you thinking about who she was. And it's just no one. She's speaking just of, a regular town person. Speaking of dossiers, shouldn't they have had one on Ralph Boner? Yes. Yes, if he so if he lives there. When he turned up as Pietro, they should have gone. Yeah, we've been like, oh, of, that's Ralph Boner. 
they recast Pietro, but, oh, it's this Ralph Boner guy. But yeah. they'd sort of moved out of that. That was very early on, that whole matching up the townspeople with their characters. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like it was the same episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Pietro was the end of episode five, wasn't he? That yeah, one was no, earlier. Sorry, sorry. That was that was but episode the Pietro four. reveal was there. But again, you're thinking in universe, like they have dossiers on all the townspeople. Yes. So they just said, oh, we, there's only a couple that we can't really find. And it's like, oh, so just the, the couple that you can't really find are the ones that are important to the plot. Great. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like that's just really. Convenient. Yeah, very convenient. Well, as we wrap up there, Stu. It's, it's a weirdly downbeat note to end on. But, no, no, but no. I, it's, no I, I, think I had a blast watching the show. Look, it was a solid probably 8 out of 10 fun limited series for me. I yeah. really enjoyed it. It was lots of fun. It was very funny. I, I've seen a lot of people say that they really didn't like the first three episodes. I really like the first no, three episodes. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I, I love the first three episodes. I think people, the first three episodes where the show really sung, when they started bringing everything else in was where it sort of started to wobble a bit. Well, well, the the reality that they did and the beautiful homage to all of those old sitcoms and just getting the beats mm. right was really entrancing to me. So I just found that very odd that people were like, oh, once they started bringing, you know, Marvel stuff into it, it was, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, probably some little untied threads at the end there, some strange choices. But still, as you say, a fun weekly engagement, and I'm glad that we podcasted about it. Yes, exactly. So um, then does that mean that we uh, go to – what, what did I call it? Wild Stallion, White Stallion and the Sexy Guy? <laughs> White Wild Stallion and Sexy Guy. And Sexy Guy. <laughs> um, sure. I mean, we have, a, we have a week off, so there, there's no secret 10th episode, which was, a, which was a fan theory at one stage. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was a whole fan theory that, that like, this week, it, it would have been a, a secret finale next week. Um, uh, that, that actually there were 10 episodes. They did that about Sherlock, that, the, that, that, big, that big conspiracy that... The last yeah. episode of Sherlock with the Benedict Cumberbatch, the one where it was his sister all along. In fact, was she even called Agatha? Maybe. No, I'm just. <laughs> but no, she... no, you're thinking. No, no, actually, you're thinking of Agatha Holmes, which is a movie starring <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown. No, that's um not Agatha Holmes. That's Enola Holmes. I'm Enola thinking. Enola of... Holmes. It is. Is too. Sorry. I'm thinking of Agatha Holmes, which is Gregoire's. <laughs> Oh God, deep. Oh yes, it is. Sorry, yes, it is. Yes, that's uh, yes. what I'm. That's what I'm thinking of too. Impro Mafia, which is the impro company that uh, I do a lot of work with, and uh, one of our shows from back in the day was called Agatha Holmes. Very good show it was too. Uh, and it was a murder show where the hero was, um, I guess, Ag- a man, but Ag- Agatha Holmes. And it was obviously a tribute to Agatha Christie and to Sherlock Holmes. So it was sort of a tribute to. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second here. Hang on a second here. I'm just uh, – hey, Greg, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm well. Uh, you're just on uh, – you've called into the podcast. Oh, oh excellent. <laughs> Greg's called in. First time caller. Uh, long time listener. <laughs> we were literally – your ears must have been burning because we were literally just talking about – I somehow thought Agatha Holmes I was talking about something and Agatha <laughs> Holmes came up and Stu thought I was talking about Enola Holmes. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm talking about Agatha Holmes, which is Gregoire's character in the Impro Mafia show from, <laughs> oh, God, seven, eight years ago now called Agatha Holmes. Yes, yeah, titular character. Well, I have opinions about uh, the last uh, episode if you want me to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to come onto Skype? 
Yeah, I think Stu um, can probably hear you. Oh, okay, right, fair enough. Yes, yeah, so I think he can hear you because I'm holding the phone up in the microphone, but you can't hear him because <laughs> he's in my ears. Fair enough, fair but I can no, bring no, no, you no, into. No, no, no. You don't need it. No, 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 you don't. I'm sure. Look, look. We 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 fun to have a discussion about it in the future. I yelled enough last time. So that's we fine. we literally are just wrapping up. So. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll get back to it then. All right. Cool. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Oh, strange. I love strange when people time. actually call in. Yeah. That's, that's really good. <laughs> call into the podcast. Oh dear. Okay. Well, is there anything else? We 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 do have some uh, work on Raven Bat. We need to get cracking on, and yes, then we'll yes. Ra- see Raven how Raven Bat is still coming. If you would like us to do um, White Stallion, the sexy. I can't even think what it is now. What is it? Soldier, Winter the Soldier. Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, if you would like us to do that one, definitely let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Or elsewhere. But if you have any other ideas for things that are coming up, given that there's no doubt more slates of things happening soon, <laughs> very happy to take ideas. Sorry, yes, I thought Stu was going to come <laughs> in. I, I was just, I was like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> if people want to, if people want to add to our pile, then then please do. Well, as this podcast <laughs> comes off the rails. Uh, <laughs> wrap up uh thank you to everyone who has uh listened to the podcast over the course of the nine episodes of wandavision well really i suppose it was more eight weeks wasn't it because we got the first two episodes at once but a good solid two months of marvel fun thank you honestly to honestly they're the real hero the listeners yes yes oh, very God, much so. yeah. <laughs> You guys are amazing. Thank you so much to everybody on my Patreon, patreon.com slash girlclumsy. You are incredibly kind, wonderful, supportive people. Thank you so much. You help me sleep better at night and do better in the day. Thanks to Greg for co-hosting last week while Stu was a bit well. Stu, I'm so glad that you're better. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm, it's very good to be better. As a token of my support for your ongoing he- good health, I'll give you next week off. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Unless something comes up, Stu. There'll be there'll be something to talk about. Uh, but until then, we will be back with more content, no doubt, uh, coming at you. Uh, until then, at Disco Stu is where you can find Stu. I am at Girl yes. Clumsy. That's the Twitter accounts. Patreon.com slash Girl Clumsy, which I mentioned, and Facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne. Please join us for lots of fun times. Uh, until then, what what are they what are they doing to you, Stu? <laughs> what, what are they doing to us, Natalie? I don't sort of all been wrapped up now that that was a very much a first first podcast kind of ending. i feel like i still want to know who's doing this to us yeah who is doing this to us? who is the massive <laughs> puppet controlling our lives yes thank you very much everyone for listening we will see you next time i thought you were going to say bye then Stu. oh no sorry i, I was i was leaving it clean <laughs> <laughs> that's okay stop recording